Have the jury reached a verdict on which they are all agreed? Yes, we have. Do they find the defendant guilty or not guilty of murder? Guilty. I'm not guilty by association. I'm not guilty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. We are Jemba, joint enterprise, not guilty by association. This is our second episode, and this is with John Crilly. You may know John as the man that attacked a potential suicide bomber on London Bridge with a fire extinguisher. To us at Jemba, he's just our John, and the only prisoner to get released post-Jogi in 2016, becoming the first and only person to have his joint enterprise murder conviction quashed. John also completed a law degree while he was in prison and has some frank views on our justice system. Our theme music is by the incredibly talented Goddess. Please go and check him out on social media. And if you need any more information on Joint Enterprise, go to our website, www.jointenterprise.co. Now over to our host, Ava. Hi, um, welcome to the Jangba podcast. We have John Crilly with us today. How are you, John? Good. Thank you. Hope you're all right. Not down. I'm pretty used to it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's all we have to do, get used to it. Um, but uh, it's really good to have you um, on the call with us today. I thought um, you wouldn't mind us asking you a few questions regarding joint enterprise. No, I'm fine. Fire away. Cool. Um, so the first question we have is, can you explain to those who may not be familiar with your case how it was overturned as a result of the joint enterprise law? Right. Um, I feel I should quickly just run through the the, the index offence and um, a bit of background. I was um, basically a drug drug addict for sixteen years, petty offending, and never received over a six month sentence. Um, I never done burglaries because I didn't like the thought of coming across somebody in the house of confrontation. But come to a point where, cut a long story short, I just went along on a burglary. Supposed to just knock on the door and wait around the corner. Well, not on. I even shouted through the letterbox and there's no answer. I went back to the, around the corner, I told them, and, I, and I, we all went back around and we kicked the door in. We went in. And as soon as we went in the living room, it was come apparent that there was a, an old gentleman sat down in the chair. And um, this is what I've always dreaded. And so instantly, I, I'm, I just want to leave. I'm trying to persuade me two co-defendants to leave with me. They're not having it. I'm picking up tellies and saying, just come and take the telly. I had drugs at the time in my pocket. We didn't need to be there, but it wasn't for leaving. And before I could stop it, one of my co-defendants punched the fella once, dropped to his knee. I picked him up. He had a bloody nose and I sat him on the couch and I left. He was in there for another minute. The fella just said there was no more violence. Um, two of us got arrested, me first initially on my own, and like an idiot, criminally minded, I never said anything. Um, solicitor advised me not to say anything, and I really wanted to say, like, to give my side, but um, the legal team advised you not to. Um, so, yeah, two of us get locked up, both get convicted of murder. He's had all these previous, sadly, for similar offences, so it didn't take much to prove he was the guy who threw the punch. He got 25 and I got a 20-year tariff for murder. Um, yeah, I got, I got um, sent to prison. I was in for about four or five years, still running around, not knowing what to do, taking drugs. And then I just one day thought I've had enough. I seen a Jengba advert in the paper. 
and got in touch with them. Um, how did Joint Enterprise change my case? It's the foresight. What instead of using tension, what they do for the secondary parties, they lower the burden of proof, which blows my mind as a a level one first year law student. Should, I never knew that could happen. So anyway, they lower the burden of proof. Instead of using intention, mandria, they use foresight. Could I possibly foresee what my co-defendant would do? Well, obviously there's possibility to fly from Mars, isn't there? It's infinite. You, you cannot disprove it. And, and you put a drug addict in a dock in front of a jury and say, could he foresee this? It's shut and closed. Well, after the work of Jengbo, the amazing work, um, he got to the Supreme Court with Joga. The Supreme Court held their hands up, said, yeah, we've got it wrong. We've been convicting people for decades of murder, giving them tariffs between anywhere from 15 up to 35 nowadays. But yeah, you're not getting appeals. Your life sentence, the stigma, your family suffering is not enough substantial injustice. And yet I'm, apparently I'm the only one to get past it. How does it feel to like be the only person to kind of, you know, have your conviction overturned? Like, has it helped you like feel more inspired to help like other prisoners to kind of keep fighting this law? Like, how has it like basically inspired you? Not inspired me. It's got it's got me uh, frustrated, angry, feeling guilty because I've been in and sat with these people in cells who, who were way less innocent than me, who've never got had no criminal past, mothers, grandparents, thirteen-year-old kids. Oh yeah, it just it just I can't just sit back while I, I know people are not are in there suffering. So there's no inspiration there. No, no, I sorry, I meant that inspiration. I felt that more of like it's like a fight in a way. That's kind of um how I've translated it like justice. Yeah, to fight. I, to, I know um, how they feel. It's torture. And I remember you mentioned something um regarding that your solicitor said that you shouldn't take the stand, you shouldn't like basically speak. Um I've heard like in the loads of other cases it's been the same coincidence. Do you think that you like know, a recurring pattern why do you think like like defendants shouldn't be able to take the stand and talk like say their piece it's funny you know when, when, when you were saying when you first started that question it just once he got the, got me to trial and i threw me not guilty and he let me do what i wanted to let me take the witness stand there was no argument well they just maybe said maybe you shouldn't but there was no like protest about it like it was to, to, to go not guilty in the police station Obviously, that's your first account of it. So I don't know if it's money-driven, because obviously they get millions for these, especially joint enterprise trials. Maybe, and, and that's something we've not really looked into. The money in a joint enterprise trial, three going to prison for however many decades or years, and how much that's costing. The mind, the pain, anguish. It's it just none of it makes any sense. Um. So, like, moving on to the next question. Um. It's quite a long one, so <laughs> bear with me. Um, so it, you basically talked about the Supreme Court as well. Um, so in 2016, the Supreme Court ruled that the judges had wrongly interpreted the law and that a defendant should not be guilty because they foresaw a crime that their co-accused um, committed. Since then, there's been hundreds of cases being sentenced under foresight. Why hasn't this changed in your opinion? I know you discussed it a little bit um, and why are they still using something that they have ruled out and know it has been abused um, to wrongly convict innocent people? 
What did you say? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and, and obviously as law students, you know all about the rules of interpretation and, and all these different ways they can look at a case or interpret the case. So they just twist it. And you know, you, you know about these rules. You can you can look at how they want literally, purposefully, I can't even say that word, um, golden rule. And there's all of these other little details that they can use to, to hoodwink us and baffle us. Time stop time Parliament steps in to see if they've, they've got out about them. I remember I was like reading somewhere briefly, like with a lot of cases, they um, convict like secondary parties to intent. Can you like maybe explain? Is that the sim? Is that similar to foresight? Like they had intent to harm. Is it similar to them like for like foreshadowing what's going to happen? Is that what it means, or is that something different? They, 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 they were just equating it. They equate it mm -hmm. as one and the same, uh, and and they give a, a jury what's called the route to verdict, mm -hmm. which will just baffle anybody. I don't know how much law you, you do, but it's just just ridiculous. And um, so moving on to the next question, um, this is quite an interesting one. How can prison re um, I can never say this word, so sorry, rehabilitate someone who hasn't committed the crime in the first place? In fact, is there any rehabilitation in prison from your experiences whilst you were there? I think it's best to start with that latter end of the question. I don't think there's any, I think you need to be habilitated to be rehabilitated. I don't think, I think once most people in prisons are expelled from school, they're in care, and, and they need to rehabilitating then, not rehabilitating. They need to be habilitated when they're kids. And if you and if you're not if you're innocent, it's just I managed to do it. I, I just went I just went along on the courses to get what I wanted out of it. I went to therapy for years to get what I wanted to get out of it. And they seemed happy to go along with that. I don't know. So you can do it, but I know those prisoners have been persecuted for it and refused parole and stuff like that. But oh yeah. Rehabilitation, there is none in there. I took part in one thing, obviously, which was on London Bridge, that learning together with Cambridge. That's the only thing I've ever experienced in jail that gives potential for real, real change. I think it's the fact that um, there was something that I read about, like, if you're obviously convicted on the murder, there's been, like, I've heard stories of some kids wanting to, like, for example, take cooking classes, but like they can't because they're not allowed to use a knife and so in a way do you feel like prisons are literally limiting to what they can actually do to better themselves in there even though they're not they're actually you know innocent of their crimes but they're they still can't even better themselves because certain well, the, the, the only options they get in there is, is either menial jobs which are, are, are run for the prison's benefit or the state's mm -hmm. or education which is near redundant it's, it's just up to level GCSE at best if you want to do an open university obviously you have to pay for it yourself but the thing about open university which really gets at me is if you're a long-term prisoner you can't do open university until you've got six years left and what's supposed to keep your mind active for say the other people have got 35 to 30 years 29 years so there's nothing in there really serious that can achieve anything if meaningful that's any that's really effective it's all just superficial and tick boxes in it and then do you think like once for example like yourself or prisoners who come out of um come out of like serving their whole like minimum tariff um do you think that 
like obviously this is a very broad question but do you think that they can actually go inside the, like when they come out of the world can they actually like do better for themselves or do you feel like they're still restricted because obviously they're on life license but do you feel like they can turn their lives around like even though there wasn't any at the beginning too because of not actually yeah, um, plans, but do you think they're do they think that they can change their lives around can they make a life for themselves it's um a lottery in it some people yes. have got enough fortitude and determination to do it on their own backs when 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 the chips are really down and they and they get as low as you, you can get some people like me i i don't think i'll be and i'm not doing really amazing at the well i'm doing i'm doing really good i am doing but i could be doing a lot better but and i'm only doing that because i've got so so much support support from everywhere and opportunities offered me left right and center and i'm still struggling so the people really need to to be supportive and um so talking on courses um you completed a law degree whilst you're serving your sentence would you mind explaining how that's benefited benefits you and all your amazing work with the jenga family yeah, it's good to have a, a certificate in the drawer, uh, but I'm doing what I can with Jenga, but I, obviously I've been struggling myself into getting out. I, I only seem to start getting on my feet the last couple of weeks, actually, mm-hmm. where I feel like I, I can start maybe looking at things a bit more in depth than I have been doing. I try and do my best. I really need to be doing a lot more, and, and, and I aim to be doing that soon. I read somewhere that um, with a lot of, like, with we'll a lot of young prisoners or like even with various of age there um they've like you see music as a like for example music as a way out or different kind of creativity but when but that the, the music that they kind of produce or the creativity that they do is something that you know the law or the police hate do you think that they've kind of been targeted from the very beginning because of their kind of like their voices because of due to that and, and like that's why like certain areas in London are always kind of targeted do you think that's kind of like they're doomed from the very start in a way like as, as like cynical as that may sound because of their voices and that, the hate Ava, that, that, that is that, that is not cynical one bit that is that is the facts of the case um look at look back through history kids will always be persecuted for lyrics in this the music they listen to Mm-hmm. It's just that it's just nowadays it's just a sign of the times that kids are getting that angry and frustrated. The lyrics are getting a lot more severe, and mm-hmm. the, the meaningless they don't mean I'm going to go out and shoot someone in the morning. They're just letting off steam. That's how kids do it. We used to go mm-hmm. raving, kids. You know, times are different, but I've seen it in court cases. I've sat in trials and listened to police officers present evidence of kids listening to music or videos they did years and years ago. And the contrast to that, in, in the therapy prison, I was in the, the open the music room and there was kids in there, white kids, black kids, Asian kids, all making beats and music with proper meaningful lyrics. And, and Roscoe, who made Jack's song about the guy from London Bridge who died, yeah. that's exactly what he's gone on to do now. So yeah, it could be, everything could be turned around so easily for, for good, positive yeah. things. Definitely. And I think with like a lot of young people, they see, especially, like young, um, like young boys, they see music as a way out, but they're obviously very restricted from the very beginning because of um, police taking their music down. So it's always quite like they're always limited from the very beginning. So they have to suppress their anger somehow towards the system. So it's always kind of like a, it's not the situation. You've got, you've got, 
You've got Sorry. punk music back in the day. You've got the punk punk music, didn't you? Oh, what to kill the queen? Didn't really. Did did what? Well, yeah. The song about killing the queen. It in the eighties, I used to listen to Pink Floyd, going about it, taking over the government and stuff. It's just I you two talking about the English government. You know, it's just songs, man. Yeah, definitely. And I think there was a case where they did mention that rock music and you know pop music they they all influence bad lyrics and even the, they even mentioned the Beatles but obviously I think with what they call it we've got hundreds of them cases Ava we've got hundreds of them yeah exactly and they, they but they don't seem to think that you know some of the lyrics and like rock songs and stuff like that are aggressive but they instantly think drill music or grime music whatever it might be is instantly aggressive even if it's just it's just stigmatizing people yeah 100 percent. and i think one thing i'd like quite interesting to find out in your opinion is that with jury the jury in court plays a big part and do you think joint enterprise cases are kind of like again to sound cynical doomed from the very beginning because the first thing they ask the jury is do you find all the defendants guilty do you feel like like do you think I don't know, like, what are your opinions on that? I just think the jury, enjoy, especially joint enterprise cases, are given too many options, opinions, uh, assumptions. The amount of assumptions in a joint enterprise case, instead of evidence, is ridiculous, and the jury are just baffled. Don't mean to be baffled with bullshit. It, it's, and as like I said before, the route to verdict they're then given, after listening to cases for weeks, maybe months, is, is even more discombobulated. It's just madness. Yeah, I definitely think Jory's just not educated enough. I don't think many solicitors are educated enough about it. And do you think the the one thing that I always feel quite like shocked by is when a judge directly says to defendants, I know you didn't do it. Like what what's your take on that? If a judge says to like, you know, a yeah, young my, my, my judge said to me, my judge who turned out to be Lord Levison, head of the appeal court when I got me <laughs> appeal. Um, well, that's what same I just said to me. I was at he said to I was out of my debt. I was not the driving force. All these kind of things. I actually invited him to the therapy prison I was in for a social day. You can do all that there. I didn't know who he was at the time. It turned out to be Lord Leveson. Um, and he come on the wing. I said, "How should he address you, sir, Lord?" He said, "Just call me Brian." Shook me hand, pulled me, and said. He was joint enterprise and just raised his eyes like, what could I do? Can't discuss his case, but just that's all he said. It was joint enterprise, raised his eyes. And and do you think like the whole aspect of joint enterprise is meant to kind of make like gangs, especially targeted, like fear? Like to is it a way to kind of for the like the system law to kind of put in place so these crimes stop being committed, but in fact it's getting worse. Like. If it's getting worse, then why are they implementing it? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just going to ask you a question. Does the death penalty stop people killing people in America? No. Kids don't think about laws. Kids don't think about laws when they're out having fun with their mates. And most of the times they are just having fun. Things just go tragically wrong, but they're not even responsible for. And just to let, to wrap up on a hopeful note, for um, everyone listening is do you personally have hope that the law will actually change and accept appeals to reduce sentences on the joint enterprise law? I know we will. 
because I know the, the warriors we've got working inside Jengba, the work they've already done, and it's just we will just not stop as long as our families are locked up and who shouldn't be, and kids are going about the dads and the mums and the grannies. We won't stop. That's good to hear, and that's the positive note we want to leave it at. Thank you so much for participating and talking to me, John. It was lovely to talk to you. Oh, yeah, thanks for taking an interest. Thank you guys for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm not guilty by association. I'm not guilty. JE not guilty by association. I'm not guilty. JE not guilty.